We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, November the 12th, 2019. On today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joined each and every Tuesday to help break down South Carolina's 20-15 to loss to Appalachian State. We talk about just what happened on Saturday night. Will Muschamp, the play of Ryan Linsky, comments from former Gamecocks offensive line Mason Zandy, and much, much more. Before we get into everything else, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, Ag South Farm Credit, most lenders don't understand land financing. However, with Ag South Farm Credit, they actually specialize in land financing and been doing so for over a hundred years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. There's a lot of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for up to 20 years, down payments as low as 15%, they have competitive rates, and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year is what they call patronage. So they're cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They've got an extremely experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance as well. I know guys, for me personally, I'm getting to that point in my life where I'm looking into, you know, getting some land, getting, getting a mortgage. I'm going to need the finance. You need the best option available out there in Ag South Farm Credit. Not only are they the best option, they've got the best staff to help you out as well. They really pick, take care of their customers. They make things super simple and super easy for you. I had someone ask me today, if you get two loans when buying land and building a house, or can you bundle it into one? You know, you think to yourself, do I have to get two? Can I bundle it to one? Because a lot of people, you know, you want to buy your own piece of land and you want to actually build the house on that land. So do you have to get two separate loans or can you bundle it into one? Well, Ag South Farm Credit has the ability to do a one-time close on your land, home construction, and permanent financing. So you don't actually have to pay for double for the closing costs. They'll even work with customized cash draws for your builder to make it easier on them to get your home built quicker. This is awesome stuff. They really, again, take care of the customer first, which is why I love these guys over at Ag South Farm Credit. For more information on their construction to permanent financing, call 844-AG-SOUTH and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you, or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C.com slash TSUS, Ag South and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, 619-788. Again, agsouthfc.com slash TSUS, or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Also, this show is brought to you by our friends, 
over at my bookie guys whether you're on my bookie whether you're going to get on my bookie past present and future my bookie players during thanksgiving week my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the bears lions game you guys know right in the middle of the nfl season obviously one of the great thanksgiving traditions to sit down with the family obviously eat your turkey your ham your stuffing whatever you want whatever you have Sit down and watch some football, though. Bears-Lions this Thanksgiving, on, on Thanksgiving Day. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. Obviously, that's amazing if you win. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, guess what? There's no risk. Congrats to you as well. My bookie's going to give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer, guys. You literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Definitely a pun there intended. guys. You can't lose. I mean, it's the best part about it. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play, so quit waiting around and sign up today. I, I mean, guys, do you ever find yourself wanting to, wanting to sports bet, but you have a lot of questions? Whether you're an experienced better, you're a novice, don't sweat it. My bookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process, and the best part is if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag, and make your first deposit with promo code GAMECOCKS, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free bet, guys. You literally can't lose. You cannot lose in this situation. Let me repeat. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only, for that Bears-Lions game specifically. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get on the action with my bookie. My bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get into it. Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Joined as I am each and every Tuesday by former Gamecock football player Alex McGrath. Alex played for South Carolina from 2005 to 2008, and he joins me today to try to make sense of what happened over the weekend. Gamecocks falling to App State 20-15. to Alex, before we dive into the game, uh, just how was your weekend? How have things been for you? It's been good, man. It's been good. Just, you know, trying to raise a couple of kids, keep the career on track, and <laughs> You know, I was, I was telling you this earlier, but, you know, as, as much as – and we can dive into all of this, but, you know, as, as much as watching Saturday was not pleasant, I really truthfully woke up Sunday morning, like, with a renewed sense of hope and optimism for the program because, I, you know, what, what I feel like should have been the final nail in the coffin came in the form of a loss to Appalachian State Saturday night. Indeed. Now, and like you said, we were talking a little bit off air. I think even the people that were on the fence now, they fall on the side of the fence that Will Muschamp is not the guy for this job. So, I mean, let, let's just jump right into it again. It's, you know, it's funny because, like, I want to talk on the field stuff because obviously the game was played between the lines. But as we all know, the entire conversation since that game ended has been about Will Muschamp, the offensive coaching staff, the coaching staff in general, what changes need to be made. But before we dive into that, because everybody knows how everyone feels on in that, including me, obviously, but 
between the white lines, I mean, what did you see on Saturday night? Because I talked about this going into this game, Alex, and what shocked me is I thought the reason South Carolina would win this football game and wear down App State, because give them all the credit. We knew they were a good team coming in. It's a proud program. It's won a lot of football games, beat UNC earlier in the year. You know, a, a good team, a really good program. But I really thought the difference in this game would be South Carolina. You know, I, I know you can attest to this, Alex. You were on the team. You've seen the type of athletes. But a program like App State, with all due respect, they don't recruit the same type of player that a program like South Carolina does. I mean, I, I was taking a look. I don't think App State's finished in the top 100 of the recruiting rankings the past four years. And that's most evident on the line of scrimmage, just the size discrepancy, the talent discrepancy, you know, with speed, agility, whatever. And South Carolina got physically manhandled in the trenches. I mean, Alex, 27 carries, 21 yards. That really speaks to everything you need to know. I mean, what did you see on the field? Was it App State was just way better than I even I was giving them credit for? I mean, was it a lack of motivation factor, which feels insane and obviously leads back to coaching because it was senior night? I mean, what did you actually see on the field of play from these guys? I offer this take with some trepidation because I have no source on this. I have nothing to gauge this off other than what I watched on Saturday. But when we played uh, Tennessee in 2008, um, that was the year Phil Fulmer uh, got axed by the administration at Tennessee. And our right tackle, Justin Sorensen, after the game was telling us, that the Tennessee defensive ends he was going up against were asking him, hey, where's this play going? In the idea that they were just going to step that way and kind of give up. And honestly, watching that game Saturday with the amount of – I mean, like their, their defensive line was half the size of our offensive line. Right? And, you know, we've been pushing around SEC defensive lines for – who knows how? I mean, no depth. You know, they had, they had no depth really either. No depth really either. No depth. No depth. Yeah. So, like, honestly, and again, I'm offering this take without any insider info. You know, honestly, looked like a team that had quit. And, and you know, you, you say and that. I don't know it, how else to say it. It, it. It's maybe it sounds like a bad take, or it sounds it's just it's not a take anybody really wants to make, but. I mean, you sort of open yourself up to that si that type of criticism and that type of take when you lose 20 to 15 to a Sunbelt team on your home field on senior night. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, I just talked about going in that game. You know, South Carolina's offensive identity right now or what little bit of offensive identity they have, they're a team that needs to be able to run the football well because you ask Ryan Holinsky to throw it 50-plus times, which he threw it 57 times on Saturday night. It's not a good recipe for success for the Gamecocks. Um, you know, this team, again, the entire conversation is just going to – it has to revolve around coaching at this point because this is a Will Muschamp team. Whether people want to admit that and, you know, talk about that or not, his teams have been known for two things, injuries and very, very poor offense. The Gamecocks have not scored 28 or more points against an FBS team. I think if you take out the, the scrimmage basically against Charleston Southern where the South Carolina just ran it all over the field, I mean, they're averaging scoring just barely over 20 points per game. And the only offensive weapon you really have is Brian Edwards, who broke the receiving record. So tip of the cap to him, nine catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. But, you know, Alex, when we take a look at this, we've talked about Will Muschamp repeatedly on this show. I definitely have on the show. Since you've been on, we've talked about it. I mean, the report's coming out on Monday afternoon that he is going to be retained, that Ray Tanner is going to be retained. And obviously, again, it, it may be smoke and mirrors because – 
We all know the buyout decreases to 18 million on December 1st. And obviously there are two games left in the season. So maybe the administration or the board of trustees doesn't want to pull the ax right now, but is there even a slight chance? Let's just say Muschamp does keep his job because I'm, I'm not one who's very optimistic that we're going to shell out the $18 million. Is there even a slight chance that Brian McClendon is back as the OC next year? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. I, I, I mean, I don't know how you can justify you just, it. You can't, it can't be. It absolutely can't be. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard to put into words. I was telling you off the air, Alex, like the, the show that I recorded from Monday's episode recapping this game, probably one of the hardest shows that I've ever done just as far as trying to reason and put into words and try to let South Carolina fans to give them my honest opinion my honest opinion at this point that we've lost hope with Will Muschamp as our head coach you know we were kind of talking off air again kind of sort of joking you know the people that are still on social media and there's very few like you said the ones that were on the fence are on the side of now Will Muschamp's not the guy but to think there are still some people out there that are trying to justify and say, well, Spurrier's record was this through the first four years. Muschamp's record is this. And trying to compare those two coaches is probably one of the most absurd things that I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Well, it's, it's a laughable comparison at best. But, you know, it, I mean, because, you know, Spurrier was a Hall of Famer before he got here. And you're talking about comparing him to a guy – that couldn't win in one of the most talent-rich programs in the country. So off the bat, there's that. But, you know, if you go back and look at where we were under Coach Spurrier, you know, those first four years, you're trying to change the dynamic of a program, and he did that. And he got us to, you know, a 10-win season, three 11-win seasons in a row, and then the wheels fell off, right? So you really kind of, like, throughout that time period, you've reset expectations. So you know, what everybody wants to see now from a fan perspective, because he came in there and proved, hey, you know, you can win big here because we have the facilities in place. We have the talent in the state of South Carolina. We've got it in Georgia. We've got it in North Carolina. we got it in Tennessee. You can reach out and get these players and get your program to this level. That's what we, I think, as a fan base kind of expect going forward. Yeah, we'll take bumps in the road. We know there's a rebuild coming up. But we're in year four now. This is not this is not rebuild mode. And if you can't execute on that level and meet those expectations, especially if there's no history of that happening, I don't even know where you begin to start to make that comparison. And, and I mean, what, couldn't I argue, Alex? I mean, this is exactly what happened at Florida. I'm, I was even looking. Florida lost oh, to, to a Sunbelt team. Florida lost to a Sunbelt team. When Muschamp was the head coach there, they lost to Georgia Southern. It's like, this is like the exact same thing that happened. It's literally mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Yeah. Except, that, well, they, they lost to that Sunbelt team in year three. Right. So, you know, here, you know fingers crossed there's not an <laughs> extension granted there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, it's, it's beyond words. I mean, let's, let's go back on the field so I can gather my thoughts here about yeah, the whole yeah. Muschamp thing. I want to talk about Ryan Holinsky because we seem to talk about him obviously every single week. And again, I think anytime you're putting him in a position where he's throwing it 57 times, you're probably not going to have a ton of success. I mean, he does have the mark now of the most passes in South Carolina history without or consecutive passes without an interception. Broke Connor Shaw's record on Saturday night, which I guess take that for what you will. But either way, Ryan Holinsky, 32 of 57, 325, a touchdown to pick. My biggest thing with him right now, Alex, is. 
I, I don't put the loss on him. Um, you know, obviously when you only run it for 21 yards against a Sunbelt team and you play as uninspired as South kind of did, you deserve to lose a football game either way, whatever. I know a lot of people want to talk about the last play of the game, which reminds you, which would have been neg- negated from a holding anyways, which I just feel like sums up this entire South Carolina football season and really probably the tenure under Will Muschamp. But either way, Ryan Linsky, I mean, what are you seeing out of him, Alex? Because, you know, I, I still believe he's a guy that's extremely capable, has all the talent, has the arm talent. I said this on social media a few weeks ago, and it was kind of mixed reviews as far as the take concern, which I was, I'm still very nervous that, you know, Will Muschamp, we're going to waste Ryan Linsky's talent because we don't have the offensive system in place to maximize his skill set. You know, I look at a guy like everybody wants to say, you know, he's a true freshman. I look at a guy like Sam Howell at North Carolina. Look what he's doing. You put a guy – and a capable or a, a good offensive system that's going to bring out his talents and let him shine, good things are going to happen. But the thing I'm noticing with Ryan Holinsky right now, it's just – it's a lot of short passes. I mean, it's a lot – I mean, that, that I feel like that's why the completions are so high because it's a lot of passes that stay within five yards of the line of scrimmage. We're not seeing him go down the field a whole lot. I mean uh, – what do you think about the way that they are – you know, I guess the packages there – because it looks like, to me at least – most plays for Ryan, there's no, there's not a second read. It feels like he snaps it, he looks, yeah. he throws. There, there isn't really – it's not a quarterback dissecting a defense and scanning the field. And listen, I get he's a freshman again, but I, I'm just not seeing that from him. And also the other thing that I'm seeing is that for whatever reason, every every single throw has to be 110 miles an hour, which I don't understand <laughs> that either. I mean, what, yeah. what did you see on Saturday night from the play of Ryan Linsky? Do you think it's more – things that Ryan needs to work on and develop do you think it's just the offensive scheme and the system's really not all that great or do you think it's a mix of both or what are your thoughts there Uh, I'll I'll say this from like a confidence standpoint and like stepping into things and letting the ball go like I thought that was the best he's looked in a while Mm. um just from spirals he's putting on it just the way he looked comfortable back there throwing the ball now that didn't translate to anything um you, know, you got a ton of drops but i mean a lot of that's correlated to you know he's throwing slant passes at 88 miles an hour <laughs> at these guys coming through traffic so i mean that, that i mean more than anything else that's just that's just work and fundamentals and just getting comfortable being able to make that throw not at a hundred percent um but you know as far as not going down the field i I wish I had a good answer for you there, but I mean, I, surely that's just play calling. I can't imagine that they were just like, yeah, please don't throw it 20 yards down the field at all this week. Um, yeah. I mean, that wouldn't shock me to learn that in the after effects, but um, no, I, it, it, you know, it also could have had to do with personnel. You know, you get, you lose uh, Brian there for two quarters mm-hmm. and you got a bunch of walk-ons out there. Um, I mean, your second leading receiver was Rico Dowdle, which love Rico, but I mean, he's a running back. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of tells the story there. Yeah. And, and so that may have factored into it too. But I mean, at some point, you got to let everybody, you got, I mean, you're putting these kids out there, you got to go let them make plays. You, you right. take the training wheels off kind of thing. And it, it doesn't look like that's what happened. It's insane how depleted this South Carolina wide receiving core is. You know, I, I, you know, I really – this is a thing that actually happened, Alex. I debated before the season that this receiving corpse had an opportunity to be better than last year's with Debo Samuel. And I could not have been more wrong. I mean, you take away – and that that's what's so scary, kind of getting off on a different subject. That's what's so scary looking ahead to next season 
is basically this offense, you're just taking away Brian Edwards and Rico Dowdle and Tavian Feaster. I mean, who's going to be the guy next year is the question. I mean, Shai Smith's banged up. I don't know if he can even stay on the field. I've heard he's been out for disciplinary reasons. Who knows what's going on with him? Or Trey Smith thought he was healthy. Who knows what's going on with him? We never know anything about injuries, which sort of leads me into my next point, Alex. I'm not sure if you saw the comments, and if not, I'll uh, I'll kind of fill From you Mason. in. Yeah, Mason Zandy's comments, yeah. former Gamecocks offensive lineman, which if you're listening to this show that we posted on social media, I'm sure you've all seen it at this point. He had some very, very, very interesting comments uh, Saturday night at the game, which I don't think are still – they're not getting enough attention. Um, you know, basically talking about the injuries and how it's been the, the Achilles heel of the team and has been the Achilles heel of a lot of Will Muschamp's teams. Then he went into more detail in regards to the guys playing a game till 11 p.m. Saturday night, pads on the next morning by 10 a.m., Sunday practices – uh, he basically said he doesn't think it's conditioning. He thinks it's from overworking the athletes. I mean, again, we're not in the building. I, I know for a fact, though, from talking to somebody that played for Carolina, that they do practice on Sundays. That is a thing which completely blows my mind. I can't wrap my head around that. But what are your take? What's your take on Mason Zandy's comments? Do you think there's, do you think there's really something to that? Because I remember last year when people were coming after Jeff Dillman and Will Musk. <laughs> Said, you know, injuries are a freak thing. They happen in football, blah, blah, But, like, this is becoming a disturbing trend where it seems like our guys' bodies cannot hold up for the entire season. They're, they just can't hold up. I mean, what, what, what did you take away from Zandy's comments? I mean, the, I, I would tell you the truth of the matter is that the bodies didn't hold up at Florida either. So this is not right. an isolated incident. And – you know, when you're talking about injuries happen in football, you know, an injury like Nick Muse sustained where you tear an ACL, like that's that's an injury that happens in football. When you've right. got guys that are out for an entire season because of a hamstring, right. that's different. Yeah. That's completely different. Or you have muscle injuries like that that aren't happening in games. I mean, because uh, Ortre did not get hurt in a game, correct? No, no. Okay. And we were, we, were um, told, we were told all preseason that – you know, he was he was looked as good as he's looked since he's been at Carolina, going to be completely healthy. I mean, that's that's pretty much par for the course of Will Muschamp, where he says that a guy is going to be back in a week and he's out for two months. I mean, Keir Thomas played Saturday night for the first time all season, and we were told he'd be back week three for Alabama. So, I mean, right. that's just par for the course yeah. at this point. I mean, without, without being a part of it, I, I mean, I can't really speak to what the practice regimen is, but I mean, if that's true, if you're running guys back out there in full pad Sunday morning, that's insane to me. No, I, I know for a <laughs> fact it is. It is because uh, I know he won't mind me saying this, but a good buddy of mine, Yurik Jones, he played on the team 2015 to 2017, and he, you know, he we talked about it. This was probably a couple of weeks ago, and it just kind of random came up in conversation. He told me they practice on Sundays. Now, he didn't go into the extent of, is it full pads? Like, what do they do? But they practice on Sundays. Because I asked him, is Sunday your off day? Because it's the day after a game. I said, no, we practice on Sundays. And I think Monday or Tuesday is the off day, which is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, to be honest with you. I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah, no, that's uh, – And football seems like the sport, Alex, where you need the most recovery. Like, your body needs oh, the yeah. most recovery, it seems like. Yeah, because, I mean, you're out there – running at full speed, running into, you know, just basically getting in a car wreck for three and a half hours. Right. And then, you know, you go home, you go, you sleep for six hours and you're back up at the facility. That just, that doesn't seem 
right like a recipe for success <clears throat> i mean look look at the and NFL. Again, like i don't know yeah, I was just, I was I mean, just gonna it, say, it, look it, at the NFL when they have these short weeks, and that's the, the you know the biggest complaint is that when the NFL and they have a Sunday game that they play on Thursday, guys get hurt more often in the Thursday game because the body doesn't have as much time to recover. So it's like you just think it'd be common sense, you know, not, not to go back out there in full pads the day after a game. It just it seems you crazy. You would think, but here we are. Um, you know. I remember. I remember before the season started, uh, one of my buddies sent me a thread uh, that was on Gamecock Central for something, and it was uh, like right after Muschamp was hired. And this Florida fan wrote this. He probably wrote close to fifteen hundred words <laughs> on how he hoped that it would work, but listed all of the reasons it didn't work at Florida. And one of the big points he made in there was Jeff Dillman and the strength and conditioning program. And that everybody always seemed to get like nagging muscle injuries that kept them out of football games. And so it's just, this is consistent. I don't, I mean, you can say it's, it's part of the game and this stuff happens, but it seems to be happening more frequently here. So there's gotta be a reason for that. And that's just, it's either not being addressed or they don't care. It's just so – I'm just sitting here thinking, Alex, I'm like, why did, why did we think hitting the copy-paste button from a failed experiment at Florida would, would work? I mean, wh- why? I mean, because I, I could argue this. Well, you know, everyone, again, I talked about earlier, people want to make – some people, not many at this point, but some people want to make the, well, it took Spurrier X amount of years and the whole Spurrier-Muschamp comparison. Alex, I could make the argument Muschamp's best teams came with Spurrier's worst players. I, I mean – those yeah. first two years were his best teams. That second year, you know, Gamecocks go nine and four, win the Outback Bowl. I mean, this year four, this is a team basically fully. And I mean, that the thing that blew my mind the most, Alex, about the game on Saturday night is that not only did you lose to App State, not only did you lose to App State at home, you lost to App State at home on senior night. Like these are your guys. This is your first recruiting class. And you lose to App State on senior night of all nights. Like that just – I don't know why that sticks out to me so much. But maybe it's not even the fact you lost. It's just you lost and looked like you, were, you weren't interested. And, I mean, so maybe you have right. a point what you said earlier. It's just like, I mean, how could you not be interested? I, I just – I cannot wrap my head around that, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, it, I don't know. I, I, could, I can't really speak to, the, again, the team mood or kind of what they're – mental makeup is at this point but I'm just like eyeball test it just looked like you know you get down and then it just kind of looks like everybody gave up until the last two minutes yeah when all of a sudden we kind of got back into it so if if, and if that's South just me Carolina, at, I could be wildly wrong there it, I was gonna say if South Carolina brings back Will Muschamp and Ray Tanner we'll just say Muschamp even what are they let me ask you what are what are they saying to the alumni, the boosters, the fans. I mean, what, what is that? What type of message do you think that sends? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, this is the ultimate opportunity to say to the fans and everybody, okay, this didn't go the way we wanted it to. You know, we were in a tough spot in 2015, tried to make the right hire. This isn't going the way we wanted to go. So we're going to go this direction with it and if they choose to retain and keep him I think that kind of tells you all that you need to know 
about what our administration believes this program can be because it's, you know, six and six, eight and four is good enough for them. I think that's what they're telling all of us. And it's, 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 it's enraging to kind of think about it in that standpoint, mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we've been, almost been to the top of that mountain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we were so close to getting there and, you know, something went wrong. All three of those 11 win seasons where it was like, you know, we, you know, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, you lose one you weren't supposed to. And then you kind of end up out of the SEC championship picture. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, we've seen the blueprint on getting there. And it's like, we can go get, we can do what we're doing now with Muschamp, and we know what we're going to get. We know exactly what we're going to get. There's a historical record of this, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, they can make the decision now to say, you know what, we're not happy with the direction of this, and we're going to go here to make it better. And if they choose not to do that, I think it tells you, everything you need to know about how they feel about the program. Yeah, it's funny. My, my, my first question after that loss Saturday night was, who, who's going to buy the boxes? Like, that, that was a huge thing. They sent out the email last week, you know, uh, Gamecock Club, or, you know, and obviously on social media they posted these brand-new family suites and the 2001 Club, and I'm like, I'm, who's spending that money? <laughs> how are you selling those? I I, how can you sell – any type of hope right now. It's funny. My last point, Alex, I was going to tell you my last point right now on my, uh, on my notes is just what now? Cause that's, that's sort of the mood I'm in. That's how I feel. I mean, you're staring down the barrel. Now we're in the Texas A&M week and then you have a bye week and then you have Clemson. I mean, you are staring down the barrel of a four and eight season in year four. And I think I, I, I think we had this conversation either last week or two weeks ago where I basically asked you if I told you X was going to happen what would you say about Will Muschamp? Well, he, he wouldn't be the head coach anymore. I mean, it, with me, it's like when, you, if, when Will Muschamp was hired, if you told me that in year four he was going to finish four and eight, I'd say that he, there's no way he still has a job. I mean, I think here's the thing. I don't think South Carolina fans have unrealistic expectations or asking for anything out of the ordinary. I always just said, I just want to see progress. You know, after South Carolina beat Georgia and people were asking me, hey, do you want to apologize to Will Muschamp, whatever, blah, 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 because you said fire Muschamp. All I said was, hey, let's just see progress. Let's continue to see progress. You know, we, we've literally lived this thing through week, through week, through week, and we've seen it fall apart, like you said, and being that last nail in the coffin. I mean, again, you're staring down the barrel of a four and eight season. I don't think Gamecock fans were – listen, the injuries, the schedule, there's always an excuse. I feel like every time we listen to this staff or anybody talk, there's an excuse. There's always an excuse. We're always a year away. We're always, you know, a couple players away. I mean – you're talking, you know, I, I don't know if you listen to it, Alex, but I listened to Will Muschamp's postgame presser Saturday night after the App State game. You're making excuses for personnel? You, I mean, this is your personnel. This isn't anybody else's personnel. Right. I know there are injuries, but every team in the country's got injuries. Probably not like we do, but everybody – like, the excuses just – they have to stop. And, again, I don't think there were any South Carolina fans coming in this season saying, well, if you don't go eight and four, then – just clean house. I mean, I think most realistic South Carolina fans said six and six, seven and five, you know, just get this program back to a bowl game, continue to stay on solid footing, continue to build. And 2020 will be the big year where we're going to really judge this entire tenure and kind of judge where the program is going. 
what do you, what, I mean, what, I just don't understand, I don't understand what more you need to see. I mean, I don't know why we need to spend an entire off season trying to hype up a team and going through the whole signing day thing and for to, to come into 2020, basically like you're saying, knowing what's going to happen. I mean, this is going to be a six and six probably team at best, maybe worse. Who knows? I mean, I would have, I did not picture four and eight this year. Um, you know, even with, the loss of Jake Bentley. I still thought this should be a six and six team. Heck, maybe even seven and five. You know, you beat Georgia, so you throw that one in there. But uh, you know, I, I don't think South Carolina fans are asking for too much. And uh, you know, just well, Muschamp's not the guy. I mean, it's just it's nothing personal, nothing against him. He knows football. He's an X and O's guy, but he's a coordinator. He, he's just a coordinator. And everything I think Florida fans tried to tell South Carolina fans ahead of time is starting to come to fruition. Unfortunately. Oh yeah, it's just. It, I mean, you look back on the whole thing, and it's you, you've had eight years to figure out how to put any type of competent offense together, and you know, you, you say at the press conference, you know, I learned from my mistakes, and it's like, well, no, you didn't. Right. We're right back where you were. And, and must and, it, it, why does it feel like he's the kind of guy like he wants to win a game twenty to seventeen? Like, I, I'll be honest with you, Alex, I don't like defensive coordinators being head coaches, period. Like, especially in today's football. You know what I mean? Like, this is not right. 2004 where, like, teams are winning games 13 to 10. And, I mean, look at Alabama LSU. Look at that game, how that right. game turned out. Over 80 points combined. And, they, like, you have to be able to score. You have to be innovative on, on, on offense, creative on offense. Like, the 20 to 17, 23 to 20 era is over. Like, it's just not going to work. And defensive coaches, they seem to coach conservative, and they coach like a defensive coach. So, you know, right. it, it's nothing against Muschamp personally, obviously, but you just take a look at where this program's going. And like you said, I mean, I think that should be the final straw. That should tell you everything you need to know. I'm going to get you out of here, Alex, but I want to ask you real quick. Um, I mean, you take a look ahead. Is there any is there, is there any hope for you as far – I mean, again, you still have two games to play, which is – feels insane like the season feels like it's over I'll be completely honest with you I know that sounds bad but the season feels like it's over you're a double digit dog at Texas A&M you're going to be probably at least a three touchdown dog against Clemson and I know you're on the side of things which I can't really disagree with you at this point the worst the worst thing that could happen right now is South Carolina pulls the upset against Clemson like something like that happening yep. that's the worst thing that could happen for this program for the long-term success because you, you know, and again, I know everyone wants Brian McClendon fired, and he will get the ax, certainly. And again, I'm not – I already told you, Alex, I'm not optimistic that, uh, that Muschamp is going to get fired. But cutting off Brian McClendon is not solving the problem. Like, it's just not solving the problem. I talked about last week, it, feel like, it feels like Muschamp's fingerprints are all over this offense, and lo and behold, here it is. So, and I don't know what real capable offensive coordinator – is going to kind of going to want to come work for for Will Muschamp when they know his head's on the chopping block. His offenses have never been successful. I mean, I just don't know who you're going to be able to get. But anyways, for the rest of this season, I mean, what's I guess what is your mindset as a South Carolina fan going into these last two games? Uh, I mean, I mean to I mean to what you said, and I hate saying this out loud, but it's legitimately in the best interest of the future of the program that we don't win either one of these games. And I hate that. Mm. I absolutely hate that. And I know I've said this on the, on the pod before, like, you know, when we were winning and we had it rolling, like it was exciting to wake up 
Saturday mornings mm. and think about the game and talk about it and just, you know, go tailgate and be excited. And like, and maybe this is just me. I'm being really pessimistic, but like I wake up now on Saturdays and I'm like, I don't really care. It's dreadful. And I think like it's, it's apathy dreadful. is the enemy of any athletic administration. I think that's what they're pushing people. And so you, 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 it, like, hypothetically, if you won both of these games, like you're going to bring the whole staff back now. Mm. Yeah. And well, I was that's just not going to get us. Yeah, not going to get to. I was just going to speak to it and say, Alex, I, I, I've got to be completely honest with you. I, I don't think we're going to win either of them either way. So, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think. Don't think so? I'm, I don't have this huge worry that uh, all of a sudden we're you know we lost App State. Oh, the light bulb just clicked. Here we go. We're going to win two in a row. Like ah, uh, you know, uh, no, I don't see that happening. So, but uh, no, I mean, you know, it's it's a harsh take, and it's but it, it's. It's a reasonable take, in my opinion. I mean, it's, you know, and some, if somebody wants to call you pessimistic and, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of over the blind loyalty type thing. I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want to cheer for a winner, you know. And, yeah. I mean, I made, this, I made this bold take on the show on, or, or on Monday's show. And I'll say, I mean, if you at this point, if you are a must-champ backer, if you're a must-champ stand still, you are a loser. Like, you are a loser. You're okay with losing, and you're a loser, and that's fine. And South Carolina football has been a loser for a long time outside of a, what, three- to four-year window with Steve Spurrier. But I, me personally, man, I, I'm not a loser. I don't want to be a loser. I don't want to cheer for a loser. You know, I'm going to be a Gamecock fan to the death of me no matter what. I'm not going anywhere. But don't get mad at fans for wanting to cheer for a winner. I mean, that, that's really all it comes down to. So – I think we all know what needs to happen. Will it happen? We'll see, you know, how much will happen over these next three weeks. I know you would agree with me, Alex. If I'm, if I'm Bob Castle if I'm the board of trustees, whatever, I'm getting the search going because there are names out there. Like there are some capable names out there that you could bring in and I think could get the program back on steady footing and maybe get it to the next level. But this guy ain't and, and we yeah we know we know he's not it. So there are some young fiery offensive guys who can recruit who would love to get an opportunity in the SEC. I might add, and South Carolina could be the perfect landing spot. So um, let me ask you this: uh, If you're Caslin today, what's your first move? I, it's very. I mean, it's it's a good question, just because you know it's and that's where it's going to come from because. I've said this before. I don't think Ray Tanner's got the stones to pull the trigger. I really he, – he's a, he's a coach's AD, right? He's a co- he was a coach. And, I, you know, I said this on Sunday on social media, and maybe it was harsh, but it's exactly what you said. Ray Tanner's as qualified to be an AD as he is a gym coach. Let's, let's just call that for what it is. The, him getting the AD job was a lifetime achievement more. And I love Ray. I'm a baseball guy. I love Ray. Love him for what he did. But he is not an athletic director. And, I'll ask you this in response. Do you really trust Ray Tanner to make the next hire again? Because I don't. I mean, I don't. And if someone, if he wants to continue to back Muschamp, that just speaks volumes to me that, well, he shouldn't be in that position either way. He shouldn't be in that position anyway. So, I mean, I don't know what Castlin's going to do. Um, I'm not surprised they didn't come out Monday and just pull the trigger and put, throw the ax down. But it's just, you know, you lose these last two games, especially if you look bad doing so, because there's a good chance you get embarrassed on your home field against Clemson. 
something's got to give. Like something's got to happen. And I don't know what the first move will be, but Bob Castling can earn a lot of brownie points with USC fans if he's willing to make the move. So, we'll yeah, and I think that's the wild card in the whole situation. It's just that uh, mm-hmm. this guy's new. Does he want to put a stamp on this? Yeah. And well, I mean, the good thing is he's there in front of him. He, he is a football guy. He's a sports guy, and he's been around a program that he did turn around, and they had success. So, you know, we'll see yeah. if he's willing to do that in this situation. But, uh, you know. The, the hand will be forced. You know, something's got to something's got to give. Again, I, I'm not as optimistic as you are that Will Muschamp will get the axe because I don't think USC wants to pay. Which, you know, they don't pay if they don't pay the buyout, they're going to pay in other ways. Like those suites not selling. I'm just going to throw that out there. But, um, yeah. Just, well, I mean, allegedly, on the buyout front, there is a uh, insurance policy in right, place right. to take care of that. I, I, I you know, I heard that secondhand from a couple of people, but I, you know, I mean, th- that shouldn't factor into the decision either way, just given how much money our football right, program right. makes. Oh yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of a neither, neither there nor here point oh, of sure. view when I look at it. For sure. No, for sure. You're right. I mean, they, they've got the cash. There's no question. They have got the cash, but Alex, we could go all day, man, but obviously I'm going to let you go. I really do appreciate it. We'll talk next Tuesday again after South Carolina goes to uh goes to college station should be interesting should be an interesting week um obviously i know we're all kind of sitting on the edge of our seat seeing if anything is going to happen i think the tuesday presser uh that'll happen later today should be very very interesting if nothing else but uh now appreciate it as always alex we'll talk again next week sounds good bye all right perfect so for alex mcgrath i'm chris phillips appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the spurs up show Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.